And I'm Katie. And this is I'm Not Scared, You're Scared. A horror movie podcast. Hey, horror fans. If you are enjoying our podcast, please subscribe on Spotify or iTunes and give us a great rating. It'll help spread the word. Thank you. Take three, bitches. (laughs) (laughs) She's not lying. (laughs) No. My microphone was... Something's happening with her mixer, so yeah, this is some, take three. Now we're now sharing a mic input into the mixer, and I don't like it. Yeah, it's she's not she's not good at sharing, <laughs> which usually it's me that's not good at sharing. I'm the youngest in the Screech! family. I'm. I don't like it. Yeah, well, you're just gonna have to deal with it. Otherwise, this is not getting recorded tonight, and I will just leave. I said good day. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> we are here to talk about the thing from 1982. Um, I watched it in high school and completely forgot about like most of what happened. Mm-hmm. So I was glad to do a rewatch this week. It was it was really fun. So let's start with what's new with you, Katie. Take Take three. Three. Well, we didn't make it all the way to this point oh, on take two. You're right, because I interrupted and I was like, yeah. something's wrong with my microphone. Yeah. Eh, screech. Okay, go. Well, um <laughs> immediately the issue is that I've discovered a few popcorn in my teeth. It's driving me crazy. Um, oh, I think I got it. Um, and as I was saying before, I got rudely interrupted <laughs> um, that what's new with me is just a very, very busy week with a lot of things um, going on, things that were important, things that needed um, a lot of attention and focus and attention to detail and care for work and Boo. family and travel <laughs> and you know, one dog stopped eating entirely and another dog rubbed crap in his hair. And <laughs> it's not trending, it's something. And I, um, you know, I don't make cakes for people very often, but I do have one sweet friend who keeps coming back to me. And I've made a lot of cakes for her daughter over the years of birthday, first communion, confirmation. And so she came and was like, uh, can you possibly do her graduation cake? She was graduating from eighth grade. And I was like, oh, my God, this fucking week. OK, yes, I'll do it. So I had that on it. And then I had had, had this brilliant inspiration for this 40th birthday gift, like collaboratively for the friend that we're celebrating this weekend. But I didn't mention it to anyone when I had the idea like two months ago. I mentioned it to them last Friday. Um, and so I had Way to, to go. I know I <laughs> suck. So I had to, you know, collect all of the input for that and produce that and order that. And, um, you know, on top of this trip that I'm taking this weekend, I'm going to be missing two days of school. So I had to manufacture substitute plans for those two days of school, which is a lot more work than just teaching the lessons yourself, <laughs> yeah. actually enumerating exactly doing, like, busy, busy work. Yeah. Um, But it's just so this week has just been going immediately from one thing to the next thing to the next thing, which kind of makes it feel like you don't even remember doing anything. Yeah. Because like nothing's in your brain long enough to form a long term memory. Yeah. And all meld meshes together. Yeah. But I feel like, you know, and I was as I was saying, I'm pretty sure that I did everything and that I didn't drop any balls or forget to check any boxes. I think so far. Time will tell. Um, but, uh, recording this tonight is my last, um, task before, well, then I got to go home, got to pack and then got to get a pl- on a plane tomorrow morning to jet off on what will be a very fun and relaxing trip. But, um, the week leading up to it has not been fun and relaxing. Right. Right. Yeah. And like I said, you only need underwear and pants. Yeah, like, Meredith thinks that um, Palm Springs, I should just go topless. <laughs> you don't need shirts. Um, um, it's the desert. Who cares? Yeah, just um, wrap yourself in saguaro. It's 110 degrees. Yeah, I'm going to die anyway. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so that that's what's new with me. What's new with you? <laughs> Find your nice words. <laughs> I want to say so many things right now, but I can't. Because I might might get in trouble. <laughs> Why do this? Do the wrong people listen to this podcast? Yes. Ah. No, I don't know. Actually, what if I you just... told a fictional story about? <laughs> Here is a fictional story. Listen, boys and girls, about a girl named Schmeredith. Schmeredith <laughs> was told. We don't have a job for you anymore, Schmeredith. Have... <laughs> There's no second grade. 
class for you next year. So you have to pack up and go. And take your son with and you. And take your son with you. Your child comes here. So bummer for you. So that's what happened. I, I've just been packing in my classroom. I cried. I laughed. I cried. I transferred my son. I transferred my <laughs> child. Uh, it's just been a lot. Like emotionally and just like stress. And I haven't been like sleeping well. I've been grinding my teeth again to like little nubs and just like getting up in the night. And um, it's just been a shit month. I guess. I mean, it, everyone has worse times and you can't compare your right. misery yeah. with one another. It's all like... It can be Schmeredith's worst month. It doesn't have to be the worst month that anyone's ever had. <laughs> yeah, right. So it's been, you know, it's just been a lot. You know, like a lot over the past few years has felt out of my control. Yeah. And this was like one part of Schmeredith's life yeah. that felt predictable Mm -hmm. and it's up in the air again so that's what's very very stressful because it's like you can handle so much and finally there's a straw there's only so much and then you're like i'm going you know i'm gonna cry all the time and then your microphone stops working and then your microphone stops working no that's schmerz doesn't have a microphone (laughs) oh schmerz doesn't podcast no she's she is (laughs) she does she does (laughs) ren fairs is schmerz a guy they them is schmerz they them she's <laughs> I don't know. We're tired, I'm, I'm, people. I'm painting realistic fiction right now. We're tired, and I'm just finding more and more popcorn in my teeth. Yeah, it's been a time. So we'll have to see. Like next month, time will tell. Next month, I might have more. Like, or in a few weeks, I might have better news to share about all this malark. Yeah, I've been dealing with. But I do have a show recommendation that's been pretty funny and scary funny mm-hmm. like I like it and I want to see I don't know how it ends because I've been it's like in the middle of the series on HBO the show is called The Baby is it yeah is it the one where like the baby's the devil and there's the nanny sort of it's like there's like an evil baby and like everyone the baby comes in contact with comes into contact with some like some terrible tragedy befalls them like Fingers get chopped off, mm-hmm. heads get severed, they get like get That's choked a tragedy. to death. It's it's crazy, but it's like um, dark it's comedy. Scary. It's a dark comedy. It's a BBC, I think BBC or I'm not sure, but it's like in the it's in the British Isles and it's it's pretty good and I I really like it. I, I think it's pretty fun. So I've been watching that every week and like nice. ha, 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 that's it's messed up. I like it. <laughs> and, um, it's always nice to have that that show that's kind of odd and eccentric that you can you can appreciate so to escape my schmear's crazy life right because she's just always bitching to you about it yeah i'm like god can you give me a minute i I'm need trying to, watch to watch my the show, show the baby i'm trying to watch that show i'm very busy <laughs> so anyway that's what what's up with schmear's and, and then i've been watching the baby yeah so. well thank you for updating us on both of you <laughs> yeah you know we're pretty tight so yeah so you were taking care of the synopsis this week because it because was your choice. This was my choice. Um, right. While Schmeredith and Meredith have been watching the baby, um, I have been on a little project the past, I think, two or three weeks where I was like, hey, I'm so I'm turning 40 in like two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um and I thought, wouldn't it be fun to go back and rewatch all of the iconic movies that came out in my birth year of 1982? And, and there there's are a lot of good ones. There are a lot. Um, actually, I can uh, give folks because and, and the reason we picked or I suggested the thing that was actually the first one that um, out of my 1982 movies that I watched Um so I watched, I started with The Thing. Um, uh, we had just watched Poltergeist, which came out in 1982. Mm-hmm. Uh, Victor Victoria, Tootsie, First Blood, Rocky 3, Friday the 13th Part 3, and Halloween 3. Um, so many threes. So many threes. Creep Show. Ooh, uh, creep Show. I love Creep Show. Annie, the one with Tim Curry. Ah! Um, and then Tron. Mm-hmm. The Ridge Tron, uh, The Dark Crystal. Thank you, Jim Henson. Oh, I love The Dark Crystal. Um, and then just today, I was uh, chipping a little bit away at Blade Runner. Um, and still on my list are E.T., Airplane 2, 
Sophie's Choice. Oh God. Which I've only seen once, but I loved, so I'm gonna I'm gonna rewatch it. Oh, it's very it's amazing. It's beautiful. But it's so so yeah. so gut wrenching. Like, gut wrenching. Yeah. Um, Gandhi, which I have never seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, An Officer and a Gentleman, and The Secret of Nim. Those oh, are the other ones I still have on my good. list. All right, like, like that's a solid list for one year. I think so. Yeah, I don't even know what came out in '83. Probably, you know, we we went through Phantasm Part Nine. Yeah, I think I think we went through <laughs> your 1983 list. Um, I, I think I saw some good ones. Yeah, yeah. It, I don't know if it was that strong, um, mm-hmm. but it it had some high points. Yeah, um, definitely. But yeah, and so that was why my suggestion to do an episode on The Thing, because um, it is super special and wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, so came out in 1982, 40 years ago. Uh, it was directed by John Carpenter um, and starring, among others, Kurt Russell, uh, Wilford Brimley, who was our diabetes. Quaker Oats. And Quaker Oats. And I think he did Campbell Soup commercials, too. I don't remember. All I remember him is mostly Quaker Oats and then Cocoon. Mm. That's like where he's his stand out. Yeah. And then Richard Mazur, who um, he was in the original It miniseries. He was also mm-hmm. in those two movies we were just Stanley, talking about recently. Yeah. 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 The um, the uh, Mr. Boogity and Bride of Boogity, like the old like Sunday night or whatever Disney scary movie things. He was in those. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, so he's in it. And then Keith David, who um, I noted just because he is in one of the late um, Friday the 13th sequels mm-hmm. um, that I, I had enjoyed him in that very much. But um, it's it's a good cast. It's a really strong cast. Um, so the first image um, that the film opens with is in space from space as a UFO enters the Earth's atmosphere. And we get um, the title card of the thing and then the title card of Antarctica winter 1982. And there's a helicopter flying over the frozen landscape. And soon we realize that the men in the chopper are tracking and trying to shoot a husky who is racing across the snow. Um, And then we cut to an outpost that's identified by a sign as the United States National Science Institute Station 4. Um, Inside of which there's some dudes playing ping pong. There's some reading. And then a absolutely gorgeous bearded Kurt Russell Mm -hmm. um, is drinking Jim Beam and playing chess against the computer. Mm -hmm. Um, So Kurt Russell, his character's name is McCready. So we'll call him McCready or Mac. Um, So he loses his uh, chess game and responds by pouring his Jim Beam into the disk drive and muttering cheating bitch, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which was charming. Um, So then back outside, the helicopter pursuing the dog lands near the science station. And here's where, um, you know, you had uh, told me about this um, when we were talking about it earlier. And so I went and looked it up. Um, That's where the movie's plot is entirely spoiled for any viewer who speaks Norwegian. uh, Because a man from the chopper who's jumped out with his gun yells to the Americans, get the hell away. It's not a dog. It's imitating a dog. It's not real. Get away, idiots. Mm-hmm. So if you knew what he was saying, then you'd be like, well, spoiler alert, <laughs> right? But of course, yeah, right? <laughs> that's American audiences. We don't learn other people's languages. Gertie, Gertie, Gertie. What are you saying? <laughs> He's like the Swedish chef. <laughs> yeah, right? Goodbye. <laughs> um, but anyway, so after he yells that to them, he's continuing to fire at the dog and he accidentally hits one of the Americans. And so naturally being American, they return fire mm-hmm. and um, he's killed and the chopper is also exploded. Uh, the dog, however, survives and it takes shelter inside the U.S. camp. Um so they're able to look up in some sort of log that they have on hand. And I don't know, they never explain what it is, but the log tells them that the men in the chopper came from another station where the, uh, the group that was there started with 10 men and there were only two on the chopper. So they decide to travel to the site and to check it out. Um, meanwhile, at their station, we see the dog exploring the building, you know, just kind of moseying around, checking things out. He finds a man alone in a room, a man we only see by shadow. So we don't mm-hmm. know who it is. And the dog enters the room ominously and then it cuts away. So you're like, what the fuck's happening there? Mm-hmm. Um, so now we're at the Norwegian site. Um, the couple of men that went out there, uh, Mac, and I think it was Dr. Copper, um, went with him. Mm-hmm. Um, they find a destroyed building. Wait, you forgot to mention it, uh, Kurt Russell's like sexy hat. Yeah. So we, yeah, when uh, when Mac jumps in in the helicopter, he puts on a cowboy hat that uh, that doesn't even do it justice no, to it describe looks it. Like a ranchero hat. Because <laughs> yeah, it's a little floppy. 
Um, it's got a lot of personality mm-hmm. <laughs> and he wears it with aplomb, I have yeah. to say. Confidently. He, he, it's like he always wears it when he's pilot piloting. Piloting. This is piloting hat. This is piloting yeah. hat. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, he's got it's, epic, I don't gorgeous know. 80s hair, too. I don't too. Even know what surf, like, what it does. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. And it, like, it almost looks a little small because his hair is so beautifully feathered and fluffing out everywhere um, <laughs> yeah. that it's, it is so comical. Yeah, I don't know. And everyone just acts normal. Yeah, like, oh, that's, that's, the, that's what Mac wears to fly the chopper. Yeah, I think maybe they're just so secluded they just accepted his hat. Yeah, they don't choices. judge each other. They don't. Not yet. Meanwhile, they start to. I'm offended by. <laughs> okay, continue. Um, okay, so they're off at the other um, site. Uh, they find a destroyed building, signs of bloodshed, and a frozen corpse that had slit its own wrists. Mm-hmm. So you see, like the you know the blood that had been dripping from the slit wrists has frozen in these, like, long, you know, blood icicles coming down from his wrists. Well, they, when they say, like, it, the temperature gets when it's, like, very, like, storms happening, like, negative how much, like... Negative crazy shit. Yeah, negative it's Minneapolis. It's insane. Yeah. Right. Um, so then next they discover at this site a giant segment of frozen ground that has been drilled out from wherever it came from and brought to the station. And it has clearly had something removed from inside of it. Um, so it's basically like this massive block of ice um, that they brought to the station and then removed something from. Mm-hmm. Um, and on their way out of the station, they find remains and evidence outside of bodies that have been burned, but they can't really identify bodies of what. They're like... Are they people mm-hmm. or maybe, but maybe not. They're not totally sure. So they bring one of the sets of remains back to their own station to examine. Uh, it's a huge, slimy mass of bizarre limbs, two faces half fused together. And an autopsy is ordered, uh, which reveals a normal set of internal human organs. Um, so Clark, who is Richard Mazur's character, he's the dog guy. He puts the new dog in the kennel with the other huskies that they already have on site uh, for pulling their sled or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they already have a, a handful of huskies in a kennel on site. Um, but then within minutes, the other huskies register alarm at the new arrival who responds by morphing into a monster. So this is like the first time that we start to see what ends up being like the trademark of this movie is the the monster morphing creations that it becomes every time it reveals itself in the mm-hmm. movie. So the face splits open like um, great dogs are like, this is not a dog. This is bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like dogs know right away. Humans are stupid. Dogs are like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, yeah. This, this is some bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have, Grace didn't watch um, the whole thing with me, but I did show her this part. And she's like, it looks like a Gorgon. I'm like, I bet you a Gorgon looks like this. Well, this is, <laughs> I mean, it's from D&D, right? So this is, came out in like the 70s, and or I mean 60s. What did? Well, the Demogorgon, like that that kind of monster from D&D. Like that, oh, that, I didn't know like, that that, oh like, yeah, I, before, I never. It came before thought about the Gorgon in I mean I knew that they played D&D in Stranger Things but I never really um, thought about it in terms of the creatures they were encountering were D&D characters kind of like opened up like a weird flower thing yeah disgusting yeah so that's (laughs) kind of what um, kind of what the dog's face does and then these whip-like tentacles emerge from its back along with spider legs and then a gland that is able to shoot purple slime like a super soaker yeah it's delightful So, you know, with all of the noise and everything, Clark returns, uh, sees what's going on, raises the alarm, and armed with shotguns and flamethrowers, the men approach the kennel, and they see this disgusting creature that is still morphing. Shooting at it doesn't do much, um, but torching it seems to, so luckily they have a lot of flamethrowers on hand in this movie. Like, it just, just like how it's... You know, we have a passel of huskies and several flamethrowers. You wouldn't necessarily assume that would be standard issue for a science station. But maybe um, it's for, like, thawing stuff. Like, honestly, if things get iced over, a flamethrower might be a tool. I have tool. no idea what's, yeah. like, standard. But they have a lot of them. Yeah. Flamethrowers. lots of, like, gas igniters. and. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dynamite and all sorts of things. <laughs> so now they have something else to dissect. Because they've, you know, just killed this thing by burning it. So Dr. Blair, who is Wilford Brimley's character, um, is able to deduce after the autopsy that it is an organism that can imitate other creatures on a cellular level. 
Um, he's also the one to realize that if the original infected dog was roaming the camp for a whole day before going in the kennel, it could have infected other men in their group, especially Clark, who was the dog guy. He's the, the dog handler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and he's, you know, he likes, he's the animal lover. He was with and around the dog more than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they're watching a video that they also retrieved from the Norwegian camp when they visited there. And it shows the other group excavating something from the ice that was much bigger than the block of ice they have already found. Uh, So they go looking for that site. And when they find it, they discover an enormous UFO uh, half uncovered in the ice. Max got his cowboy hat on again, you know, Mm -hmm. because he was choppering. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they also find the spot nearby the UFO where the smaller block of ice had been cut out of the ground. So now they've determined that it was an alien life form that the Norwegians um, removed from that block of ice. Um, So while they're just securing the remains of the two dead creatures back at at their site, um, there's an unnoticed movement the viewer catches that shows that these creatures are not actually dead. And uh, before we know it, one begins to assimilate one of the other men, a guy named Bennings, and it's almost um, successful, but the others catch him in time and they burn him. And they now see that if an assimilation is complete, they will have no idea that the person is not human. Mm -hmm. So they're like, no shit. And when he was, like, caught and he did that weird, like, his mouth was open mm-hmm. and he was, like, it's a weird, like, crazy, like, echoey, like, ah, uh-huh. like, not. That's a different guy. That's another. Yeah, this is the, the guy who was in the chair inside the lab and the tentacles were, like, um, like, wrapping around him in the chair. Right, and then he was disappeared, and then they found him later, like in the ice. Or, uh, I thought outside. that was Fuchs that did that. We'll see. He was like the guy who was shot and like grazed, and then yeah, then he got like. Um, well, let, up let, later. let's read on and see. I'm I'm sure that I say one way or the other in my re- in any case, it it was gross, weird, and creepy. Yeah, disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um. So Dr. Blair um, has real is realizing like this, that they wouldn't be able to tell that the person's not human and also that the creature slash infection must not be allowed to reach civilization. So Dr. Blair sabotages the helicopter and the radio equipment, trying to make sure that nobody can come or go from the camp. So he looks like he's losing his mind when really he's the one that's like, no, this Smart. is this is what needs to happen. Yeah, like, like this we, cannot, we, yeah. you know. Leave Antarctica. Eat your oats. And he's running away. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, Dr. Blair. Oh, boy. Um, and so, of course, they respond to his rationality by restraining him and locking him up in the tool shed. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, right after that, he warns Mac to watch Clark closely because he's like, mm, I'm pretty he suspicious was with the there. Dog. He was with the dog. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Copper, the other doctor, has thought of a test that they could use on their blood to determine if someone is a human or a replica. He's like, I've got this idea. Um, but their suspicions of each other increase and become more aggressive as they find that the story store of extra blood has been destroyed, which makes the doctor's test now impossible. So the idea that they had about how they could figure out who was a thing and who wasn't is now you know, has been sabotaged and they don't know by who. Mm-hmm. Um, so Mac is determined to find out somehow who's a thing and who's not. Um, so they sedate and restrain the three men that they suspect might be infected. Um But then when another man disappears, which is Fuchs, uh, they split up to search for him and they find his remains burned outside. Um, And in that situation, Mac's search partner that he was outside with returns without him um, because while he was outside, he found a shredded jacket in the snow with Mac's name on it. And they've kind of realized that when the thing replicates and creates a new being, that the clothing is typically shredded in the process. So he finds this Mac jacket shredded and he was like, oh, God, Mac's a thing. Mm -hmm. So he ditches him out in the blizzard in the dark and and comes back without him. Mm hmm. Um, so they try to leave him out in the snow now that they suspect he's in- infected, but he he's Kurt Russell. He breaks in through a window um, and holds them hostage with a flare held to a fistful of dynamite. So another thing on a list of standard U.S. science-based supplies, mm-hmm. along with a passel of huskies, a bunch of flamethrowers, is dynamite. Yeah. And it's like, it's like Wiley Coyote dynamite. Like, it's like sticks of dynamite sticks. wrapped together with the with the... <sighs> Fuses all coiled together. It was 1982, together. Katie. Different times. I'm, yeah, maybe I'm asking. When too much. you go 
on a scientific voyage, you just throw dynamite in places you want to look at. Yeah. Everyone knows this. For sure. I mean, they, they did it on Magic School Bus all the time. Do you think there's some dynamite on it? <laughs> Give some tussin. Give, get some tussin. Okay. Different times. 40 years ago. Different times. Different, different times. times. 40 years, people. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, in the chaos of, you know, Mac getting back into the building, another man, Norris, seems to be having a heart attack. So they untie Dr. Cooper or Dr. Copper, um, who was one of the ones they thought was infected. So they he had been tied up. They untie him to resuscitate Norris. Um, mm-hmm. But while he's doing chest compressions, Norris's chest opens up into a set of huge jaws full of teeth and bite off the doctor's arms below the elbows. Which was insane. It was epic. But I don't know if that was more upsetting to me or the doctor's nose ring. The doctor had a nose ring? Yeah. He had How like did a I miss hoop. that? Ew. I don't even... That's upsetting. I don't know if I need glasses or if that was real. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he had It's possible. Maybe it was like frozen boogies. It was weird. I was like, <laughs> yeah, because he was like not a young man. Yeah. It was a weird choice. Anyway, I digress. Troubling. Uh, that's the scariest <laughs> part of the what? movie. <laughs> one part, I mean, not one part. One thing we know about me is weird things bother me in movies. Yeah, not the things that bother most people. Yeah. You're like the only person in the world bothered by that I thing. Like, I don't like this. Okay, continue. <laughs> continue. continue. Um, okay, so after the doctor's arms are bit off, Norris then becomes one of the more spectacular thing monsters that we see in the movie. Initially, there is one thing rising from his chest where these jaws were all the way to the ceiling. Then the head separates from the body and starts dragging itself across the floor using its tongue as like this tentacle to reach out and pull it. Then the head, and this in this moment, it's like, that's a nose. She just pulled up a photo, folks. Of the character, and I think she's right. Full I think I think he's ring. got a nose ring. Yeah, so weird. Sorry, I I was just I was um, couldn't move past it until we confirmed. Yeah, I you know I was you know uh, affected by it. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you want to do you want to dialogue about it a bit before we continue? Or? It just kept glibbering. That <laughs> <laughs> was very distracting, <laughs> and I was like, "Why is this a thing?" And everyone just seemed to accept that, like his weird piloting hat. Yeah, I mean, I they just, they were a very accepting group. Everyone's just like in Antarctica and you're like, you know what? I'm going to do, I'm going to try out my nose ring persona. Mm-hmm, yeah. And uh, my wife doesn't let me wear this at home. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll just wear my hat. Mm-hmm. They're like, hey, Clark is weirdly into dogs. <laughs> Let's no, not judge. <laughs> you know what, though? There's no women in this movie. Nope. At all. Mm-mm. So maybe they're just living their best lives. Could being, be. Being weird. Could be. So that's all I have to say about that. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. For, for now. <laughs> for now. Until she pulls up another photo on her phone. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. So the head that's left the body after it's dragging itself across the floor. Then you have this shot where it's like backlit with the fog machine going and everything. And the silhouette of the head sprouts spider legs and eyes on stalks. It I mean, it's so crazy. It's incredible. It's yeah. absolutely like you're just you're in awe and of the whole like, thing. What the f- you're like, is it ridiculous? Is it disgusting? Is it laughable or terrifying? Like you just, you're, it's gripping. Yeah. Like you cannot look away. And then everyone's like, look, look behind you. And it's like, bye. It's just like scuttle, scuttle, scuttle out into the hall. And, and like, then suddenly they look and they go, ew. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, set it on fire. And then yeah. they do. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, that's a pretty great scene. It's yeah. one of those where if you see one scene from this movie, it, you know, may, maybe ought to be that one. That one sticks with you for sure. Yeah. So at this point now, Mac has figured out a new test to, to decide who is the thing and who isn't. Um, and as he tries to get everyone, he's trying to get everyone restrained. He's like, well, I'm going to test all you bitches um, and tie everybody up and do the test. But uh, Clark um, is having none of it and he rushes him. Uh, and Mac shoots him in the head. And so you're like, oh, Clark, you know, he was, he was, he was a thing. And so now he's laying dead over next to Dr. Copper, who's, you know, had his arms chomped off. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're able to get everybody tied up. And um, Mac draws some blood from everyone. And I, I use the word draw blood loosely because he just gives them all a scalpel. They slice open their thumbs over a Petri dish and mm-hmm. just ooze into the Petri dish. So super sanitary. 
would not fly and in the like era of COVID. And they all wipe off the, the thing and the scalpel on their jeans. On their jeans, yeah. The, for this sure. Is, this is fine. Yep, it's, just it's cool. It's it. 82. What could possibly happen oh, from sharing? pre Yeah. Probably. I mean, it was around, but it was. It wasn't like part of, of the a, the national awareness. Yeah, there's like this is other people's problem, not not like yeah. the general society problem. Interesting. Yeah, nobody I, would have I, been I troubled by that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, Mac has realized that every individual piece of the things, like every single cell, is alive. Um, and will defend itself, even the blood. Because what he says is that, like, when a man bleeds, it's just blood. But when a thing bleeds, that blood is the thing. It's still alive. It's still, it's an entity by itself, even though it's the blood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so one by one, he he heats this copper wire with his blowtorch and uh, dips the hot wire into the Petri dishes of the blood, Mm -hmm. thinking that, okay, well, if it's thing blood, it's going to fight back or whatever. Um, And so the first four blood samples he tests, um, which are a guy named Windows, a guy named Mac, and then the two dead men, Dr. Copper and Clark, show no response to the test. And so... Um, they're kind of heckling him a little bit like, oh, well, so you shot Clark and he wasn't a thing like you're a murderer. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe at this point, like, does your test even work? Because so far nothing's happening with any of the blood samples you're doing this to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that moment with Palmer's sample, um, the fifth sample, he touches the hot wire to it and the blood leaps from the dish. Um, and then Palmer violently transforms into another disgusting creature and kills Windows before Mac can get the flamethrower working. I mean, don't you hate it when your flamethrower is like glitching right when you need it, right it's, when the thing is there? It's hard to get one that's just like reliable. Really reliable. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. hard. So, you know. He's like, click, 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 damn click, it, click. damn it, damn it. While well, it's like murdering people right He's and left. He's like, oh no. no, no. <laughs> um, but eventually he get he gets the the, the flames going and uh, torches Palmer, yeah. uh, the Palmer thing. And uh, and Windows had his like head, whole head yeah, bitten off. Yeah, whole basically. head bitten off. Yeah, it was intense. Yeah, it was gross and crazy. <laughs> Um, so then he's like, okay, well, back to business. And well, he starts... I, I, really quickly, if I can interject, people... I I mean, I feel like as a viewer, you felt like Windows possibly was a thing, too, because he was always alone. And he was the one who was, like, the radio guy, like, operator. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so you think maybe he was a thing because of that. And, and it. I think it's a red herring a lot of the... Yeah, they definitely do that to try and point to, well, and like with Mac's shredded coat, like they definitely throw little hints here and there to um, really make you be like, I don't know, it could be anybody. And as a viewer, you're like, oh, it's him. Oh, no, it's him. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And then, you know, and then he was not, he was not a thing. And then he, that happened to him. And so that was surprising. And then you breathe out, you're like, okay, well, I was wrong. And then suddenly someone you hadn't even really suspected, they hadn't given you any um, reason to think that Palmer was. Yeah. yeah, and then that was kind of like a shock. Yeah, well, because then there was a moment earlier, I don't remember at what point it was, but they're all standing outside in a circle and Max giving a little speech and he basically says that like, um, if all of you were, he's like, I know I'm not. And if all of you were those things, you would just kill me right now. So I got to think that some of you are still human too. And that's the mm-hmm. whole like basis of the, the suspense mm-hmm. that they're creating is this. hiding in plain sight. Exactly. Yeah. Which is like terrifying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So then Matt goes back to testing the blood samples. He clears Nalls, Childs and Gary. So all the men that are still in the building have been cleared, um, you know, except for well, and I guess so then in the end, Palmer was the only one that was a thing in that point because the uh, two dead guys got cleared and then Windows was cleared before he got killed. Mm-hmm. So there was only one of them. Yeah. Um, so then they, they head outside to the tool shed to test Dr. Blair, but they find the door open and Blair gone. He's escaped through uh, the floor into a tunnel through the ice. And But like before that, they had gone to see him and he was like, let me out. Yeah, I'm he wanted to come out. Now. Yeah. 
he was like sitting there eating, chilling next to like a noose. Yeah. He's like, I'm totally I want to come back inside I now. I want to come back outside. I- I'm fine now. I'm fine. And Whatever like, was wrong with me, it's done now. It's past. And they're like, nah, fam. Like I, everything you're saying just makes me absolutely not want to let you out. Right. So as like now that he's gone and he's fucking weird, you're like, well, was he a thing when he was trying to convince them to let him in? And yeah. being like, oh, I'm fine now. I'm not... I'm not crazy anymore. Right, because you thought you thought for sure that he was still human when he was the one sabotaging the chopper and sabotaging the radio and everything. Because the thing wouldn't have done any of that. No, because they want to be have access. To yeah, the they the want to you know spread their wings and fly. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that that was another real like almost a red herring in the other direction. Mm-hmm. Um. So they follow the tunnel that they found underneath the tool shed. Um, and they find this partially constructed mini version of the UFO. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, like an escape pod that he was building. They said out of pieces of the um, the helicopter. Sure. Yeah, sure. Because that's, I mean, it's like, how long has he been out there? I mean, Jesus. He's like, it's been 30 minutes. <laughs> you already did this. You, you already well, like collected. I'm an alien. all. <laughs> I can work I'm very fast. Very smart. And you're dumb. You're dumb. Obviously. Eat your oats. <laughs> um, so they're preparing to collapse the tunnel with what else but dynamite. Um, and they look in the distance and they see Childs um, leaving the main building who they'd kind of left him in charge, like keep an eye on, you know, everybody inside and all the um, people that hadn't gone out to the tool shed, keep everybody in line, keep track of everyone. They see him leaving and then all the power to the camp dies. Mm -hmm. Um, And they realize that at this point, the thing has realized that its best um, option is to freeze Mm -hmm. and then wait for more prey, which would be for a rescue team to come um, tip for the men that were still remaining. So it wants to like basically go back into its hypersleep. Yeah. Um, and so cutting the power to the whole facility is a way to do that because with no heat, all all the humans will die and it'll just, it'll be able to freeze. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but the men are like, um, you know, not today, Satan. And they blow the tunnel, uh, and they go on the offensive and just start burning and exploding the entire station. They're just like, we're, the roof, the roof. I'm not going to do that. Um, they cool guys don't look at explosions. Like, cool guys don't look at explosions. <laughs> like that was Kurt Russell, and he's like, yeah, yeah. walking away. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, so they're just like, you, you're not freezing on our watch. We're going to set this whole bitch on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, so then Mac, Nalls, and Gary all pledge to die together making sure the thing doesn't survive um, and they start setting more charges around to keep blowing shit up um, but then Dr. Blair appears uh, and begins replicating Gary which is pretty gross in that moment and soon he takes down Nalls too and so the only people left are Mac and Dr. Blair so it's Kurt Russell and Wilford Brimley mm-hmm. <laughs> the showdown to end all showdowns um, but Wilford Brimley is not Wilford Brimley. He's in full on monstrous epic thing monster mode. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a this this final battle. Um, and in the end, Mac blows the whole scene sky high, totally destroying the creature. And you're like, Brah, yeah, America. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now Mac is stumbling away in relief. And all of a sudden, Childs reappears. Um, he's still armed with a flame flo- flamethrower, mm-hmm. naturally. Uh, and they kind of settle into an exhausted truce of like, I don't know, you're not a thing. You don't know I'm not a thing. Let's just sit here facing each other. Um, and uh, <laughs> it's basically like, well, child's like, well, you know, what do we do now? And Kurt Russell goes, we'll just wait here a little while. See what happens. And then they start pouring the Jim Beam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's the end. That's the end. <laughs> that's the thing. Very ambiguous ending. Yeah, definitely. But mm-hmm. did you think it was scary? No. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I thought it was really suspenseful. Mm-hmm. And I think it really holds its own for a movie from 1982. Some of them, like, they're predictable. You're like, okay, that's really played out. That Or... It's part of the fabric of like cinema so much or been played so much like mm-hmm. as a joke that you 
Even if you've never seen it, right. you'd know and what's like, coming. I know what's going to happen. And, but this one still has suspense. It still has like crazy special effects and gore. And um, I think that it's, I don't feel like, oh, this is really dated. Yeah. I mean, aside from like obviously fashion choices and like, hairstyles, you're like, it, nose rings. Yeah. <laughs> it's really fun to watch and you don't, I, it doesn't throw me. Yeah. Where I'm like, oh, this is an old movie or, you know, I, I just really appreciate it. I think the writing is, it's dark and it's ominous. The The musical score is amazing. Mm-hmm. Where it's just like, dee, dee. And you're like, oh, oh my gosh. And then, like I mentioned earlier, that the thing when it's like taking over a body, it has like this crazy, like echoey, like, ah, like it's say it's so creepy and off-putting and, mm-hmm. and, and frightening yeah so i would say was i like watching it like oh i'm so scared like let's be honest folks you've that been never happens how for long you. have you been listening and i'm like i don't get scared not really um i'll i'll share when i if i really legitimately i think once jump. you said you jumped at something but i don't even remember what movie it was i don't remember um but i'll share when that happens i'm not like trying to put on a front that like oh i'm just you know my friends her and, this and is not co-worker. a tough act facade. No, my friend and coworker, like whenever she's always trying to scare me at school or like I'm by myself or in school by alone. Mm-hmm. And she like try she's seen me and trying to like jump out of places to scare me. Mm-hmm. And I'm always like, Oh hey. And she's like, God <laughs> damn it. Like, I could never get you and she tried this. Last Does she week. try to do that with other people as well, or is it just you? It's just me. Because that seems like a weird behavior for an adult. <laughs> it's just me because she knows I can't be like. So it's she's like challenge accepted. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So she did that last week. I, I'm kind of going off on on a bit of a tangent, but like I was packing up my room and she knew I was there because you have to sign in to like disengage the um, alarm for mm-hmm. the, for the school, and so she like went to my room. And she, she came and she goes, hey, like that. And I go, oh, hey. And she's like, God, you know, ugh. Like, I think maybe I if, you, if you taught at my school, it might be easier to scare you. Because, you know, we've got like statues of Mary and shit all over the place. And, yeah. Like it's, and already I'm like, oh. <laughs> what? She's watching me. <laughs> I'm, I'm so frightened. <laughs> I'm so frightened. Um, but I would, would I recommend this movie? 100%. 100%. I recommended it today. I was like, hey talking to my one of my co-workers about what we're uh, recording about tonight i was like have you ever seen it and she's like no and i was like it's it's very good and it holds its own and i recommend it highly so um so katie do you think it's scary uh no i think that um everything that you said about it is absolutely accurate about like everything that it has to offer everything it brings to the table um, in terms of being creative and unexpected and gross and um, surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, like it's it's entertaining as all get out. Um, and definitely there's suspenseful moments. And it's probably I say this about movies all the time. It's like if you create the proper environment to watch a movie and you make the choice to get yourself in a mindset to to really put yourself in that space um to become scared like that that can happen but Mm -hmm. then there's all kinds of things like watching something in the daytime while you're scrolling on your phone or having a conversation with a friend or you're like eating a bunch of hot dogs and or you're like pausing it and getting up every five minutes or you're folding like no a movie's not gonna scare you but do you have a big tv do you do it at night while the room's completely dark and maybe watch it alone and really let yourself go into the story. Obviously, you're going to have a different experience depending on how yeah. you approach watching like the movie. Like fully immersing yourself in exactly. the experience of what the filmmaker yeah. intended. Yeah, and opening yourself up to the possibility of being scared, which is funny because when I was a kid, I kind of did the opposite because things did scare me and I didn't want to be too scared. Mm-hmm. So you have all these little tricks that you do to put your guard up so that you don't get too scared. That's like, oh, ha, I'm going to watch it with my friend and we're just going to laugh and make jokes about it and everything because we don't want to get too scared. Mm-hmm. Whereas like now, I, as an adult, like I'd have to go, <laughs> yeah, I have to go the other direction of like, well, no, I want, I want 
want this to scare me. So mm-hmm. I have to create the proper environment and go into it with the the proper mindset if I want to achieve that goal. Yeah. Now with this movie, I think because you were saying that because it's the 40th, you saw that it um, is being re-released into theaters um, for an anniversary stint at some point, which yeah. I think is fantastic because the idea of seeing it on the big screen is very appealing with the the visuals in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, but even if you are just watching it at home, if you do it in a dark room and you're quiet, you're not talking to the person you're watching it with or you're watching it alone and you're really you're not scrolling on your phone. You're not doing anything else. You're invested in the story. Like I could see like it ending and you feeling a little like shiver up your back, you mm-hmm. know, like uh, maybe I want to turn the lights on really quick right away. Cause I'm a little creeped out. You're like, Oh, that spider's going to get me. <laughs> yeah. I'm afraid of huskies. Um, so yeah, but it's just, it's just a great movie. Mm-hmm. I so fully great. agree. I think it's really fun. It was a really good choice. I mean, while I lo- I liked Poltergeist, that one feels very like dated. And it you does. Watch it and you're like, eh, okay. And yeah. then, um, like, I still recommend it, and I think it's fun. But this one is, it just seems like on a different plane of of filmmaking. I think it, there's a sense of dread. It's it's not really cheesy. I don't feel no. Like. Even don't though feel like obviously the effects, you were like, it's not CGI, Mm-mm. and so you could say it looks dated, but it's so brilliantly done yeah. that even though obviously it doesn't look like a real head with spider legs sticking out of it, and but that's such a an unnatural thing anyway mm-hmm. that you don't need it to look real. Yeah. You know, you just need it to look awful. Yeah. Yeah. It looks very off-putting. Yeah, and and disgusting and bizarre. Yeah. 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 Which I have a quick note about. So, like, the special effects guy who was, like, a wunderkind, um, but he, like, had major stress and had to go into the hospital or something during this movie. So they brought in another guy. What was his name? Uh, Stan Winston, who did special effects for Aliens. Predator, Edward Scissorhands, Jurassic Park. And then he finished up a lot of um, just like a s- slew of special effects that had to be completed for the movie. Um, but he never took credit. So it's like I think with both of them, with their like brilliant minds and um, talents mm-hmm. go- coming together on this movie, it really shows. And yeah. like I said, you watch it and it doesn't like. I didn't feel the need to try to actively try to suspend disbelief. Yeah. You're just along for the ride. Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes older movies are work to watch with an open mind. And to try to open yourself up to the plot, the special effects, the acting without judging too much. Mm -hmm. And having like your peanut gallery in your mind like critical. Yeah. Um, And trying to like take the movie in. Um because it's part of like the our American fabric of like horror, horror, horror. cinema, <laughs> <laughs> um, and you really appreciate it. So I think because there's a lot to be lost when you write off stuff. Yeah, if you discount it. Yeah. Uh, based on you know when it was made oh, or how old. it was made. Yeah. You know, like so what? Yeah. It doesn't I mean think it doesn't have anything good to offer. One of the think. things that makes this not feel I mean still feel relevant is Kurt Russell yeah and he's so good in this he's so good but he's also he has I mean and this is you know a testament to him because obviously he was a child star um yeah he's he's been part of American film for like 50 years Mm -hmm. and he still is to this day and so seeing him like that like a familiar face who's not you know, it's not like seeing Walter Matthau, you yeah. know, it's like a man that is still, st- I mean, I'm not it's like he's super active in making films these days, mm-hmm. but he's, he's still part of Hollywood. He's still part of the acting community. Mm-hmm. And so, um, seeing him makes it, um, not, you know, not feel as dated yeah, or, or forgotten. Right. Yeah. I, I just showed Victor, I, I'd say just showed Maybe it was like a year or two ago. <laughs> time is time not is nothing. Yeah, you're like, oh, relevant. it happened before COVID. Then it's more no, it's, than it two was in, years in ago. In the midst of COVID. Okay, so that's why so it's it was lost. like a year ago. 
Um, I showed him Death Proof. Did you ever watch that movie? Mm-mm. It's um, Quentin Tarantino and Kurt Russell is, plays like a um, stunt man driver, but he's also like a killer. Oh, but it's really good. It's fun. It's weird. It's like a weird grindhouse kind of movie. With like, work. what yearish did it come out? Um, I want to say the mid two thousands. Oh, okay, fun. Yeah, it's it's a good one. And yeah. I don't. I wouldn't say it's like high caliber movie like Tarantino usually does. Mm-hmm. It's, it's supposed to be kind of fun, and, yeah, and weird and, um, yeah. But he's in it, and I love him in it. It's it's really good. Yeah. So it's it's a good um, romp, and there's a scene that it involves a Dodge Challenger and a girl like tying herself up to the top, and she's a real life stunt woman oh okay and it's an amazing scene where she's like riding on the top and they're like racing down the road and it's it's pretty crazy and kurt russell's like pursuing them in his own like crazy meathead kind of crazy car too yeah and it's a, a chase yeah um but yeah but it's really good so i always think of that movie when i think of kurt russell even though i've known him he's been in movies like you said for like yeah so long well I think I you know I didn't see the thing for the first time until I was an adult but I grew up on Big Trouble in Little China um Tango and Cash is one of my all-time favorite Mm -hmm. action movies yeah and I cannot watch Miracle without crying like a baby every time yeah he's I mean he's just he's got so much range and he's he's just he's kind of like Harrison Ford where he's just an appealing character Mm -hmm. like you enjoy watching him whatever character he's playing whatever type of guy he is whatever he's doing you want to watch him do it because he's an appealing character yeah um so you know you might say like oh you know he doesn't he doesn't have a ton of range because the point that I'm I use Harrison Ford as an example a lot of times for that is like people criticize actors for like you know not having range and it's like Harrison Ford plays Harrison Ford in every single movie he's ever made. Yeah. He's never played a character other than Harrison Ford. But it doesn't matter. No. Because mm-hmm. we love him. I mean, I love him in, in Jack Ryan and, and the Patriot. Yeah, Patri- all, all of the Tom Clancy movies, oh all the Indiana Jones, all the Star Wars, like any movie where he's the president, like all of those. He's Harrison Ford and we are there for it because we love him. We love him. And really, you can almost say the same thing about Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks has had a couple of roles that show that he, you know, can get like Philadelphia, even something like Castaway. Like he's had um, other roles that that show he he can go in different directions. But at Mm -hmm. the same time, he's Tom Hanks. We'll watch him do anything. He just shows up and he is Tom Hanks and Mm -hmm. people are there for it. And I feel like Kurt Russell is the same, not to say that he doesn't have range because his um, his performance in Miracle uh, is as her Brooks is like, you know, was a it was a biopic, mm-hmm. and so he really had to play a man that was not him, you mm-hmm. know. So obviously acting, yeah. um, <laughs> but by and large, like all the movies that you love him in, he's just rocking out as Kurt Russell, and mm-hmm. you you're there for it because it's awesome. Yeah, you know, he doesn't. They don't all have to be a Johnny Depp or a Liam Neeson or you know a chameleon that every film they're in, you don't even know it's them because they're they're so different. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them, they're just great and they're entertaining, even if they're not doing something dramatically different from the thing they did in the last movie. Yeah, I will watch him and most anything. So I'm, I'm definitely a fan. And I forgot to even put this in my notes, though. Would you show this movie to your children? Yeah. So as I was saying, I, I totally would have, you know, I didn't want to. We've been all really busy lately and I did not make Grace sit down and watch it with me. But she was passing through when I was like halfway through. And this was when I was first watching it for my 40th birthday project because I did rewatch it so that I could do the synopsis for mm-hmm. us to record because that was after you know I had already just watched it before we decided to do it for this episode and so she was passing through the room and I was like oh wait 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 stay here stay here and I backed it up to the scene with the dogs in the kennel yeah um, and I was like watch oh this God. and she was just standing there and she's just kind of like shaking her Holy head and like smirking God. a little bit like you know it was definitely impressive um so, yeah, as, as far as, um, you know, a parent showing a kid this, like we said, it's not, I don't know, it might actually be something that is a little bit scarier for a younger kid than it would be for a teen. Because Grace would not be afraid of this. I don't think anybody her age or older would be afraid of this. Mm-hmm. But if you're a little kid that's still in that point in your life where it's like, there's monsters under your bed, 
Yeah. This might be a bad call because You'll this be would give you spider head. Yeah, you, the, a lot of images you. <laughs> in your head of what's in your closet, what's under your bed. Mommy, long, don't turn the light off. Tentacles gonna come get yes, you. Yes. Yeah. Around your ankle. Um, I mean, aside from that, you know, there's there's a little bit of swearing. There's no adult material because, as you pointed out, there's no women in the movie. None at um, all. And everybody's, you know, bundled up in winter clothing the whole time, so you don't even see any shirtless men. So it's perfect None. for prudes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Everyone's like, it's freaking freezing. You yeah. Know, I'm going to take my shirt off. <laughs> but the monsters, the monsters, I think, would be scary to a mm-hmm. younger kid. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, 12 and up. Yeah, maybe. I think so. And then Depending I think that they would enjoy it. You know, the sensitivity of your child. Yeah. I think. Well, and I do need, also need to touch on my favorite topic, which is um, prequels and sequels and remakes. Mm-hmm. Um, because this, uh, well, now this is a point of contention since Meredith shared with me um, a factoid before we began recording. Um, because, by my estimation, this movie is a remake of the 1951 movie, The Thing from Outer Space, um, which was a Howard Hawks film. Who Howard Hawks is incredible. He did um, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. He did His Girl Friday. Um and he did this, which was like a very standard 50s horror film um, that had the uh, whole slew of people up on the sta- like the the military station up in Antarctica and they locate the the UFO. This one, it's funny because we were talking about the dynamite in in this 1951 version. They it's like a little bit is like protruding above the surface and they um, they put like thermite charges on it. Mm -hmm. And there's this um, uh, reporter there like the whole time that's like trying to get this big story. And he's the one being like, really, you're going to like explode stuff like you think that's the ball. And they're like, it's SOP from the from the army and blah, 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 blah. And they fucking blow up the UFO like they destroy it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they're like, oopsie. (laughs) And the the reporter's like, great. So, you know, it could have been the greatest scientific find in the history of mankind. And you blew it up. And they're like standard operating procedure. That sounds about right. Yeah. But they do find um, a body in the ice. They cut the the body out like and bring the block of ice back to the lab and it thaws out. Um, The nature of the thing is fairly different. Um, It doesn't replicate um, people. It's actually a form of a plant. Mm-hmm. And so it's able to it, it re- replicates itself in a sense where if you like it's like a succulent where if like a little piece breaks off and you put it in the soil, it'll grow a new one. <laughs> it's this kind of weird botany angle to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing has a very it has a very Howard Hawks feel with like the fast paced dialogue and the, you know, the quick scenes and a lot of interactions between a fairly big cast. There is one woman and she, my favorite thing is like two or three times during the movie, the men are sitting around, you know, talking about what's going on and the problem or whatever. And she'll walk in with her urn and she'll go, anybody need coffee? And multiple times they go, no, but you can stay. (laughs) And so she's like, yes, I got in through the door. Rabble, 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 (laughs) rabble. Coffee, everyone? How can I fix your problems, you dummies? Um, but, uh, yeah, so I was like, okay, well, that's, you know, that was the original, and this 1982 movie is a remake, but Meredith tells me that John Carpenter says... Yeah, John Carpenter said, um, that it was not a remake, it was, like, um, pretty original, and he does, like, he included, I can't recall what his homage was to that source material, it's based on the short story, Mm -hmm. but, um... He says, like, widely, like, very, very different. It's not. So, I don't know. (laughs) John Carpenter, uh, R.I.P., we can write his... Bless his heart, yeah. We can write his estate Mm -hmm. a letter. Um, I mean, we we have two movies where there's a team of people at a scientific base in Antarctica that discover a UFO under the ice and a creature buried in the ice. (laughs) And they remove the creature from the ice, and when it gets out of the ice, things are bad. I, uh, I, don't I mean, that's 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 a that, that is a stretches the definition of an homage. I don't even, <laughs> you know, that's his life. I don't it's, know. It's, he's on, it's his journey. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what he said, and I yeah. Okay. And and then he and then he died, and nobody can argue with him we about can't it anymore. Argue, you know, he he's a master filmmaker, and yeah, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't. If I met him, that would not be one of the things that I brought up. No, me um, neither, man. I'd be like, you. I don't even know what to say to you. Yeah. You're amazing. 
But the 1951 movie is, it's pretty entertaining. It's got that vibe. It's got that Howard Hawks feel. Um, and it is also one of the movies that the kids are watching in the original Halloween mm-hmm. when Laurie is babysitting. Well, both I think both Lindsay and Tommy have the same like thing on the TV um, in the first Halloween where it's like the lineup of the, you know, three scary movies for Halloween night. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the ones that they're watching is the thing and it shows the scene where they're all standing out on the ice and like standing in a giant circle, reaching out their arms to try and measure like the shape and size of the thing. And they go, it's a flying saucer. And then they blow it up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that in my definition would be the original. And then in 2011, there was the thing um, that was actually a prequel. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it had Mary Elizabeth Winstead in it, who I love. I think she's wonderful. And she's the, the she's kind of an archaeological zoologist in a sense. Like she's, her expertise is studying um, animal specimens that have been removed from the ice, basically. Mm-hmm. And so she's up in Antarctica. And when they, um, the premise is basically that the team, the Norwegian team that find the UFO and the and the alien initially, they bring her in to, you know, facilitate with, you know, taking it out and studying it and everything. Um, and so, you know, it basically wreaks havoc on them at that station um, in very in a very similar way to um, what happens in the 1982 movie. But then the 2011 movie ends with them taking off in the helicopter, chasing after the husky, trying to shoot it. Mm hmm. And so that like comes perfectly full circle yeah. to the 1982 movie. And mm-hmm. I, I really liked the the 2011 one. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, like the first couple times I saw it, I didn't realize it was a prequel. I thought it was a, like a remake that they were like, we're just going to make the main character a girl. Because the portion where they show them in the chopper chasing the husky is cut into the end credits. Oh, yeah. So if you turn the movie off... Or leave the theater right when the credits start. You mm-hmm. don't see any of those scenes. Mm-hmm. And so you might not realize. And at that point, when I was seeing the 2011 one for the first time, I probably had only seen the 1982 one once. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't familiar enough with it to be like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so the 2011 one is actually a prequel. But it's it's really cool. And it does have the advantage of the CGI for the monsters. Um, and they, ju- they did a really good job with it. Oh, that's interesting. I... I feel like I've seen that, but I can't recall. Because, like, when it came out, you said 2011? Yeah. I had, like, a one-year-old. Yeah. So you may have watched it, and you were just so sleep-deprived. You have no idea. Yes, it may have just been lost on me, and I was like, I want to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) The story of your life when you have a one-year-old and you're pregnant with a... Another yeah. one on the way. So yeah, um, the war- life is sucking the energy out of you from the outside and the inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I've been there. So I have to give it a watch. I, I'd be. Done I have it on DVD if you ever want to borrow it. Okay, okay, that sounds good. So, um, well, I think it was pretty good considering how like exhausted we are. Both and the fact that we had to try three times <laughs> to get this. We had a yeah. pretty good conversation. Um, I think anyone who likes. These, you know, scary movies um, and also special effects would really yeah. enjoy this. Yeah. Any fan it. of special effects has got yes. to see this. There's like KY jelly abounds <laughs> in all it's of these. Everywhere. <laughs> oh, my God. The robotics, the the KY latex. The, oh, you everywhere. didn't. We didn't even talk about the um, the trivia bit that you had when I said that the when he's doing the chest compressions, when Dr. Copper's oh, doing the chest yeah, compressions. Yeah, yeah. So I had read earlier today that there was um, a stand in for the chest compression scene where the mouth, the chest cavity turns into a mouth with the teeth. So the doctor, the good nose ringed doctor who's <laughs> doing the compressions um, is, you know, working on the guy on the table, trying to revive him. And then suddenly the mouth opens and the big teeth rip apart the arms. And the stand-in in real life was um, a WM- double amputee and had, like, no arms. And he had, um, I guess it was, like, jelly or whatever and silicone 
arms and mm-hmm. it was ripped off and it, it made for a very 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 cool special effect so I thought it was really interesting that they it's, had it's that so end. like creative to think mm-hmm. like oh you know if we're gonna have his arms bitten off and the yeah. angle you know it's easy to just have a, a, a stand in because you can't see his face from the angle they were shooting it at yeah. Yeah. and you know have a guy whose arms are already missing mm-hmm. so that when you have these giant jaws chomping off his both his arms in one bite you can make it looks super cool because yeah. there are actually not human arms there that you like are, have cra- to contend a, with. Yeah, a crazy, um, just using what you have and, yeah. or, or, you know, thinking outside Thinking the outside the box, and, exactly. Um, so I thought that was really cool. It, I mean, interesting. And I like, I mean, I'm a huge, as you know, like special effects mm-hmm. fan. I really appreciate good ones and um, uh, seeing people really you know, work really hard and creatively to yeah. make things look really cool on, on screen. And, um, like I said, where you don't have to suspend, actively suspend <laughs> yeah. when watching it. Yeah. Uh, well, and having like so. respect for the, the effort and the creativity that it takes, because that's, my husband will say this about like, particularly the Star Wars movies as an example, that he has so much more respect and admiration for the effects that they did before there was CGI, even mm-hmm. though the CGI effects look more realistic and more believable. Mm-hmm. It, you know, just doing it on a computer, not that that's not a gift and a talent and a skill, but to have to figure out how to do it with KY jelly and latex and robotics yeah. um, is a, is another level of, of creativity and effort and thinking outside the box yeah. um, that, you know, some people might find more, more impressive. Yeah. And then you read a lot about um, these effects and how it's like you, can, you have to get it in one shot. Yeah, you only got you, one you chance. You keep reading that. You keep reading, you know, and it's like hours of work. Mm-hmm. One shot. Yeah. And they manage to get like an epic scene. And, you know, you have to really respect that, like dedication. And, yeah. Um, yeah. The planning. I, I think and it's really, it's really fun. So I always really like to hear those kinds of stories. So when I read that, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. So, yeah, I like that bit of um, trivia there. Yeah. So we're going to do. We summer about project. Our, yeah. Summer project. We had thought about doing paranormal activity, but decided to, we might touch on that in this summer project, but we are going to do found footage horror mm-hmm. movies. Which, that is our theme for our, the our theme. summer selection. So the first movie I think is the OG found footage. Mm-hmm. Um, what opened is, the door to found footage for all of us. Yeah. I made people realize like, oh, this makes money. Holy crap. (laughs) Let's do more of it. Yeah, is the Blair Witch Project from 1999, which... Yes. The one that that made people vomit in the theater. I watched it, and I was there for it. I felt no nausea. I was like, yeah. No, I surprisingly didn't either. Um, But yeah, I saw saw that in the theater as well, because it came out when I was a senior in high school. Yeah, Um, so fun. Yeah, no, and and you rewatch it. I've probably rewatched it four or five times over the years and it's it's great it's still great it doesn't lose anything yeah it's it's amazing so watch it it came in at 99 so not 40 years ago but 23 you've had you've you've had had some time time. i don't want to hear your complaining and if you haven't seen it i still don't think that we will spoil it for you because life america has spoiled it for you yeah it's been it's definitely pretty, parodied. So yeah, many it's times. it's been sent up. It's been on the office for God's definitely sake. Definitely, so. I'm so scared. That <laughs> that. When people don't label their <laughs> personal food in the refrigerator, <laughs> I know. Scranton, <laughs> lazy scranton, lazy scranton. <laughs> okay, I'm uh, going off on a tangent. So, uh, thanks for joining us. This was uh, a great conversation, and we'll see you next time. You betcha. Okay, bye. Bye.